0: Yeah, because I have a plugin that, not to nerd out, but what it does is it analyzes ambiance and then creates a sound profile to kill all those frequencies. So all I do, yeah. So all I do is just play my fan, record it, it learns it, and then it auto kills it for my own signal.
1: That's great. Yeah. Can I get that for my children?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's messed up. <laughs> I can only do one sentence or at a time I'm sorry dang it dang it <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and welcome to The Midnight Connection, the podcast where two dads talk about anything they want at the only time they can. Welcome back to episode six. Somehow we made it, Chris. Somehow. Somehow we're still making it. <laughs> I think the real, the, the real question of this podcast is, how long can two dads keep on hanging out for two hours at 1 a.m. and not lose their sanity? I,
1: I'm. I've been wondering how long I can continue calling it the midnight connection when we never started
0: midnight. It feels like a rude, a lie. A rude well, story. it's midnight somewhere. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Boom. Because we're global, baby. Good
1: solve. I like that.
0: There you go. (laughs) Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, We hope you're having a great week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. As always, we appreciate the support that you guys have been showing online. We see those plays going up, and it's because you're telling people. So please continue telling them and sharing as much as you can. Like we always do, we're going to start off with a connection question. So I ask to you, Chris, this week, what content are you currently consuming? And this can be in any media form. Okay. Okay.
1: I got a couple of things to throw at you. All right. What you got? So, in the movie section, we watched a couple of movies recently. One was Elemental from Disney. I guess you haven't seen it.
0: No. Okay. My child is one. I have no time for movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: So we watched Elemental. I wasn't sure what to expect because it it bombed in the theatrical release but then when they put it out on disney apparently it shot right up in terms of viewership
0: is that the one where like every everyone is an element and then like a fire becomes friends with a water
1: yeah yeah nice yeah, pretty much i i i enjoyed it actually quite a lot so you could imagine you could probably guess at what you know the theme of it is and initially going in, I was like, yeah, it might be a little heavy handed with some of this stuff, but I think the way they navigate it and the the characters to me are really endearing. It was, I mean, we, we really enjoyed it. The kids liked it. So I was really pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by that one. I wasn't sure what we were going to get out of that.
0: That's a Pixar movie, right?
1: It is. And, and that it's really cool because yeah, everything is all, they're all elements. So you've, you have uh, water, fire, earth, air, wind, air, think that's it but the whole society is built around that right so so it's really creative how they all the individuals have all the different representations of their elements and they can do all those different things and then how if you try to imagine how those elements would actually live together in a society then it's really creative and pretty cool
0: nice Um, did you watch it with the kids yeah
1: and they've already probably watched it Four or five times by now. Really? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, they really dug it.
0: That's awesome. I remember seeing the trailer and thought it looked pretty cool. I do love me Pixar movies. It got me in the feels. You got me in the fields. They always do, man. Did you watch Inside Out? Oh, yeah. Man, that waiting movie. for the next one. I want to see another one. That movie. I think a second one has been announced. I think so too. They got, they got to. They
1: gotta do another one. I'm that big, one was too good.
0: I'm a big Amy Polar fan. Now that the writer's strike is over. That's right. They can go just back ended. to work. It just ended. I think the actors are still on strike, though. Yeah, I think so. And then it might it might
1: work its way to the gaming <laughs> industry now, too.
0: I did see something about that. I'll have to look more into it. But like the the voice acting for games, right?
1: Yeah, they, they essentially got approval to do it should they want to do it. I think it's where it stands
0: right now. Let's see. What have we been... So I have been playing lies of p. Yes. On PlayStation 5 and I am having a very good time with it. Which was a little bit unexpected cuz I am not a you know, born player. Oh, yes you um, are. For, the, <laughs> for those of you who are not necessarily like in the gaming culture, these are a series of games that are I think the the community calls it, like, tough but fair. Yeah, pretty right? much. Yeah. Where it's like the enemies are really hard. Like, any simple enemy can kill you if you are playing without thinking or not timing right, where, like, there's a lot of sword and weapon swinging. When you press a button, stuff doesn't just happen right at the input. Like, your action takes a while to complete so if you make the decision to attack while something else is attacking you, you end up just getting wrecked all the time. Yeah. Um, so I my only experience is a game called Elden Ring, which I did really like, but I didn't beat because I got super frustrated at that mechanic of like spending hours on a single boss uh, yeah. only to lose all your experience every two single bosses. time. Two bosses. Right? Or two bosses, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> But uh but I kept on seeing live playthroughs on TikTok. I don't know if TikTok has a deal with Lies of P or if everyone <laughs> is just playing it, but like every live that I came across was Lies of P. And I'm like, I remember this game being announced and literally like laughing at the idea of a dark Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> story. Yep, that's what it is. Yeah,
1: Dark Pinocchio.
0: It's Dark Pinocchio. Yeah, it's um but it's great. It's Basically the same kind of gameplay loop as like a Dark Souls or Demon Souls, but I think the gameplay is a lot more forgiving. Really? You know, I, I'd be curious for someone who like is heavy into the Dark Soul games and like loves loves the that punishment, how they would react to the difficulty level on this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's very similar RPG-ish. Like, you can go the dexterity route, the strength route. There's different kinds of weapons that you can mod. Your weapon is actually made of two different pieces that you can combine in a bunch of different combinations to get different kinds of attacks.
1: Do do they use a
0: parry mechanic? There is a parry mechanic. Um, Well, no. There isn't a parry mechanic, but there is a block, like a perfect block mechanic. Because yeah. every block does take health and stamina away from you, but there is a perfect block. Now, I do believe, just from seeing other people play, that there is a certain weapon that acts as a shield, and that might have a parry mechanic. Mm-hmm. But okay. I haven't gotten there yet. But the gameplay is great. What I love about it the most is that when you hit the big bosses, I'm at the second one right now, I think, um, which is, so all without giving anything away, what you're battling a lot of the times are puppets that, that have gone sense. that have gone awry, right? Um, so I'm currently fighting a furnace that is a puppet. Interesting. So it's going well. I've been dying for about an hour, but I'm learning, man.
1: <laughs> standard <laughs> standard time.
0: But I'm I'm learning. And I really dig that when I do die, the save point is maybe like A minute away from the boss door.
1: Yeah.
0: So you're not doing a whole bunch of backtracking. Like there are a couple enemies between the safe point and the boss. But for the most part, you can just run straight there and go right back. And they actually leave your experience at the door outside of the boss, and not inside, <laughs> and not inside. <laughs> what
1: a jerk move, man! Yeah, I know that's that's some from soft. <laughs> Thanks, Elden Ring.
0: Yeah, but I'm having a good time. I I won't say too much about the story or anything like that because I know you. I have piqued your interest in oh, yeah. playing I've been,
1: it. I've been wanting to play since I heard about it. So I'm happy to hear it's it's good.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it. Lies of P.
1: So you you're saying you. You got past the first, Was that the first boss where you were (laughs) cheering after you beat it? I did. Yeah. It's
0: it's It's the payoff. See, it's the payoff. Well, usually I hate that kind of stuff, but I I got into this zone where I was like, okay, I just need to stop and learn. Uh So I got into these play loops where I would go to the boss and see what kind of attacks were happening. And then once I started to get into this flow state where like I was dodging the right way, yeah. and like you know instead of pressing the evade button twice out of sheer panic <laughs> yeah, yeah. i actually only pressed it one time yeah um and it and it just hit so i spent 2 hours straight grinding this boss and it was like 1am and i was like i need to go to sleep man this is so stupid I'm like half asleep anyway, you, like just trying beat to it. kill this boss. And then I beat the boss, <laughs> and yes. I was like, "Yeah, that's the best."
1: <laughs> it's always that one more time. I do mean, one more time, and yeah, I'm man. done. And then you beat it,
0: and it, yeah, and I, I beat it, and I was like, "Wow, I think I can play this game now." I think I, I think I can commit to maybe getting to the end of this game.
1: See, I always when when I get to the boss, it's always my first, at least the very first time I get in there. Like I'm not even thinking about attacking. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll step in. It's just like, I'm just going to stand back and like read it for a while. You mm-hmm. know,
0: I did that with the second boss. And then what I realized is and I'm sure this is true for a lot of the other games, because like I said, I don't have that much experience with them. But when you're long range, the boss acts a certain way. Yeah. And then when you get close, the boss acts a completely different way. So I need to get in close in order to see like what, what, what moves it does to actually dodge. 'Cause it's a melee based attack. I haven't seen any ranged stuff. Okay. But it's yeah, that, it's it's been yeah. fun.
1: It's interesting because it that's one of the, the hallmarks. The, the the way that the get like the Souls games have changed over time is they it started out first as like sword and board type thing, and, and by that I mean you, you would equip the like the biggest, best shield you had and the best armor, and you would just sort of Block everything until a window opened for you to attack, right? Mm -hmm. Which, and that they eventually moved away from that into a little bit more active combat. And I think I want to say Bloodborne was probably the first time where they just ditched the shield entirely. Like you didn't have one at all. Uh, Your only option there is uh, your secondary hand has a a gun that you use to basically parry right before the moment of of impact. Mm
0: -hmm. And Bloodborne has the stagger mechanic too, right?
1: yeah yeah and,
0: and so does this game
1: yeah that yeah that's usually a part of it because that's where you get the big impact to their yeah to the staggers if you can get into those windows um, and then so you have they designed that where bloodborne was also offensive in that you act, there's a window of time where you could regain life if you counter fast enough so they they turned the genre over on its head and said we need we want to make this more proactive more offensive. And if you sat back and tried to play it the old, like the original way of sword and board, you were going to get wrecked every time. Yeah, until you, you just like dove in. And just it was like, going to whip you into a new mindset. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm. I have to attack. Like it's my only option.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, and then they went from that to uh, you went to Sek- Sekiro, which was uh, also very active. You could jump. I think yeah you could jump well you had like a grappling arm or whatever it is but they took away your ability to change weapons to level up the weapons it was all about skill mm. and it it did have a parry no shield but it was like you need to learn how to fight this way and you, and then you, there's this nothing else you can all do you got yeah like you can't grind levels to be overpowered you can't get the most effective weapon you just have one you have a couple of side items but yeah that's it all you can so, do is get good exactly so that that's the hallmark of these games is when you say uh, tough but fair, it's like a- after you've played them long enough, it's like you know it's possible. Even though when you first get there, you're like, "What the fuck? Like, how, how do I <laughs> yeah. beat this thing?" You are like there's no freaking way I can beat this thing. When you what, once you get that out of your head, it's like, "No, nah, I, I know there's a way. I just have to figure it out." Right. Yeah. So so then it kind of becomes now it's like a challenge now instead of something that feels unfair.
0: Yeah, it almost becomes know? like a puzzle. Yeah as opposed to a fight it's just like okay you need to figure out you need to actually read your opponent (laughs) and like give them the respect to be like you're about to fuck me up (laughs) i need to know if your left arm twitches i need to move to the right
1: (laughs) exactly i need to know where i go i need to know how far the range is like where are the windows that i can kind of squeeze in and then they and then they screw you when they started bringing in like you know, second phase, third phase, bosses. Dude, that's what's <laughs> happening.
0: That's what's happening with this this fire boss. I got the yeah. first phase down, and then second phase happens, and I'm like, "Why are we here, guys?" <laughs> yeah, it's a like, gat. It.
1: But cool, very very exciting. I definitely want to play it.
0: Yeah, you're consuming anything else? We, we also
1: watched, and I, I probably won't say a ton about it. We watched the Mute, uh teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem
0: movie, brought to to us by Seth Rogen.
1: Yes. And I'll say it shows, really. and I'll and
0: I'll leave it at that. It shows that it's Seth Rogan. Is it just him just laughing? <laughs> no,
1: you, you can hear him <laughs> in the background. I'll, it wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting.
0: They're like super young in this, right? Yeah, they're very they're very young. and i I, I kind of got the vibe, and I haven't seen it yet. I'll probably see it regardless. But I got the vibe that it's very like teen comedy forward.
1: Yes, like I would almost definitely like say that.
0: improv comedy, yeah
1: kind of it's definitely written for this generation of youngster
0: because I did see one of the behind the scenes thing that was that Seth was talking about that when he did The Lion King, John Favreau actually had all the actors because with voice acting, no one's usually in the room with one another. Mm-hmm. They're all just recording their own parts that can sometimes lead to a really stale performance. But during The Lion King, because Seth Rogen was, uh, what is it, Pumbaa? Mm -hmm. All of his lines that were done, all the actors were there for the voiceover session together. So they could actually feed off of one another's energy. And like that got into Seth Rogen's head that that is the only way (laughs) to do voiceover. Yeah. Yeah, in order to get like super authentic performances. So he put these four kids in the room together and just let them go off
1: yeah it definitely feels like that and i just it's funny because i watched it it's like okay i feel i'm feeling this way about it and then i went online i was was like am i the only person who feels this way and there's a whole divide yeah of people like some people love it like a ton and then some people are just like
0: yeah no not at all you know is it the old heads that are like this is not my ninja turtles yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) Pretty much. Not in my sewer. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's, laughs> <laughs> These are not the turtles. So
1: it was, it was interesting. I want to see what, what you think about it when you get a chance to watch it.
0: Yeah. Well, Steph and I have been watching two shows alternating, um, and that's Naruto. Nice. Okay. Uh, we're in the pain arc of Shippuden, if you guys watch uh-huh. that. Yeah. It's our first time watching that ever. So... That's been pretty cool. But we can only do two episodes at a time because we don't have time for all that. Sure. And then what we've also been watching is the live-action One Piece. Oh, okay. i have history? Okay. I've never seen a One Piece. I've never read One Piece. My sister apparently loves One Piece, I have found out. Oh. And so she was like, you should watch it because you'll probably like it. And they, you know, the one thing I know about One Piece— is that there's close to a thousand one hundred yeah. volumes, yeah, which is insane. Like, but and it's still going, and it's still going. Much respect, but I can't commit to that. That's way too much. I don't even know how many episodes that equates to. But she was like, "Watch it. You'll probably dig it. They're really good at condensing a lot of the the story and oh, the plot good. into the episodes." Because she said this this first season covers almost like sixty. Oh, wow. Of, okay. the, of the manga. Um, but it's great. Yeah. Have you seen it at all? No. I, I come from a
1: similar place. So I don't have any history with it. I've been curious. But I, I have absolutely no idea what to expect from it. But I do want to watch it.
0: All I knew about it going in is that it's about pirates. Yep. And the dude wears a straw hat. Yep. And honestly, that's all you need to know. Okay. All I right. think I think it the actor's are doing a great job. Again, I don't know the source material. So for those One Piece fans out there, some of you might think it's shit. But I think the consensus is that the live action is doing a pretty good, pretty good. job.
1: Yeah, that's what I've heard too. Is and it, it got, suitable
0: for kids? I think so. Okay. I think so. Um, And okay. it got greenlit for season two mm-hmm. already. And yeah, the, the main character is this Mexican actor. I forget his name, but... <laughs> I was talking to Stephanie because he has an accent and I don't know if he has an accent on the show or not, but in the live action, he has an accent and it's like foreign enough not to be annoying as hell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I completely understand what you're saying.
0: (laughs) Cause like he's Mexican, right? He's a Mexican actor. Yeah. So I can understand, you know, having an accent, but. You know, uh, Luffy's personality is like super positive and up, and all this stuff. And Stephanie and I just kept looking at one another because we're not really like huge anime people, uh-huh. but we're looking at one another. And it's like it's borderline, man. It's borderline. <laughs> but he he does a really good job with it. We're like on episode seven now. I think there's only eight episodes. So oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty pretty short and concise. But every episode is packed. Every episode has a fight. Like it's it's pretty cool. We might have to cue that one up. Yeah, it's an easy watch. I mean, the episodes I think are like an hour each, uh-huh. which is good. Yeah. You want you want that kind of content?
1: Ask you before we
0: get off the t- the show the TV yeah. shows. Do you guys ever watch The Voice? Uh, no. We used to watch The Mass Singer a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. We never watched that. I think Stephanie and I caught The Mass Singer season one. Uh-huh. And I, I actually, when I was at the gym yesterday, I saw on one of the gym TVs that they're on season fucking 10 now. Yeah,
1: there's, yeah, they just keep I it going. I don't know,
0: because they do like two per year now. It's crazy. But anyway, <laughs> I remember season one. Because I was like, you know the premise of The Masked Singer? Yeah. For those of you that don't, it's like famous people in a, from celebrities from a lot of different forms of celebrity dumb <laughs> come in and sing with costumes on. And who is it? Robin Thicke. Uh, Kim Jong-un. Yes. Oh, my God. Nicole Scherzinger and Jenny McCarthy yeah. are the hosts, and they have to like make guesses and stuff like that, right? So I'm not giving anything away when I say that the winner of season one was T-Pain. Okay. And I, I mean, Stephanie and I saw it from the beginning. I knew that was T-Pain three really. episodes in because I had seen his tiny desk. Uh, Have you ever seen okay. uh, T-Pain's tiny no, desk? No, no. Bro, okay. We'll, we'll touch on that in a second. <laughs> okay. But that moment, like he was dressed up as a monster.
1: right yeah
0: some other you know some other some shit but it was cool he sang i think it was take me to church okay and like you just get fucking chills right and like he makes it to the end and they finally reveal who he is and it made the show perfect for me because everyone on the panel up there were like holy shit what t-pain and even robin thick was like dude you're not a rapper." Like <laughs> yeah. you are a singer, dang, and it completely changed everyone's ex- like perception of him. Yeah, and I was like, this is a great show because it showcases talent from uh, extremely talented people without the connotations of celebritydom. Because right. if you see a rapper up there, you're like, what the fuck is a rapper doing? Yeah, what's doing? he gonna do?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: you know. But uh, but I have seen episodes of The Voice. I mean, it's, it's what I did like about the voice is that they basically create teams. And it's really the voice is really the judges against one another up
1: to a certain point. And that's, that's my whole thing about it. So um, we like watching it until they get to the part where it becomes like the pop, like people voting, like mm. regular people voting. Cause then it becomes the popularity
0: contest. Sure. You know, the good old American Idol.
1: Yeah, and like who who can garner the most votes? Who has the best social media team, or what have you? Because you need the people to actually come in and cast a vote. So that's the part that I just hate because clearly you can tell there are some folks that are mega talented, and they just get totally outvoted by someone who's got a better, bigger social pull. Really. So that's the unfortunate part to me. You know, leading up to that though, we love watching it. Because you you really get to see similar things. I mean, if you don't know the voice, the, the judges can't see the singer when they're auditioning, so they have to decide whether or not they want to pick them for their team based solely on their vocal performance. And then if they if they decide to go for the person, then if there's more than one judge, the you know the, the singer gets to choose who to go yeah. whose team to go on. And then you go through different rounds of eliminations and stuff. But you get to watch these artists. From any all different walks of life, really develop because you get coached by the coach, and then they bring in other co- uh, artists to come in and you know lend lend some hand, lend a hand to coaching too. Yeah. So you get really get to see them grow, and then it becomes a freaking pot because it's so dumb because it becomes a popularity contest where the coaches are just watching. Sure. You know? <laughs> like they're they're watching and they're marketing their contestants basically. Yeah, of course. And it's such a.
0: I mean, it's a part of the game.
1: I know. It's, it's a big part of the game, so, frankly. It's so bad. There's, There was one, like a long time ago, there was one girl. She was so freaking good. And she was a teenager, I think. Her name's Kennedy. Dude, like she could sing any song you put in front of her easily. And it was almost to the point where it looked too easy for her. You know mm. what I mean? So she would do these crazy performances from like top tier artists, but it, she made it look easy, so it didn't look like she was really putting the effort or the you know, the <laughs> yeah. emotion into it. it was, but she was so f- stinking good, man. And then she, you know, she just got beat out by, by someone that, in my opinion, wasn't clearly as talented vocally. But anyway, but it, it was I was just the, curious.
0: It was the opinion of America, Chris. Yeah. yeah. It was America's opinion. I'm not
1: well, down with the, America's opinions.
0: <laughs> Here is something that is undeniable, which is T-Pain's Tiny Desk concert. right? And I'm, we only got to listen to a second of it. I'm ready. But this came out eight years ago. Yeah. And it is one of my favorite Tiny Desk performances. I watch a lot of Tiny Desk. Do you know about Tiny Desk? Yeah. Okay. yeah. We were just going through some recently, actually. Oh, yeah. So he comes in with just a keyboardist. No! First thing he plays no, no, is buy you a drink. No 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 no. no
1: oh, oh. Baby girl, what's your name? Let me talk to you. Let me buy you a drink and an empty pain. You know me, conving music never bowie. I know the club, close at three. What's he makes the track just
2: like
1: damn? drip you how I let's get drunk and forget what we did I like his uh his breath control yeah where he goes in and out of strong vocal and then that dragged out kind of airy
0: it's really good observation that you see that now his vocal control is phenomenal you know the whole thing about him is that he's been a great singer forever it's just he couldn't break out. And so he used auto-tune as a tool to stand apart from the people coming up around him. That's crazy. And then it ended up being what he was known for. Right. It right? stuck. Yeah. But all the while, I mean, A, he makes these songs and produces them. And when you hear it in this context of a keyboard, you can hear how like cool yeah. these composition songs, the composition of these songs are. I mean this is this is
1: classic R and B straight right. up and down. This is great. It's money in the bank, dog. <laughs> I just got there too. <laughs> Perfect timing.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. So Damn, I invite I invite impressive. everyone to go onto YouTube and watch that video in its entirety. Cause that dude goes hard.
1: It's so cool. Our uh, Francis's cousin works for NPR.
0: Oh, word! Yeah, know that.
1: Well, he he works remotely though. But every once in a while, he'll come here to the to the office, and I'm like, you know, is there any way we could <laughs> we make it to a
0: tiny desk. Uh, I hear Usher is in <laughs> DC. Yeah. Any chance uh, you can get me in? I I can only imagine how dope it must be to see a performance at Tiny Desk. That close and that intimate, man. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Tiny disc performance that shows what the offices actually look like? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's always great.
1: I think you were watching the Alicia Keys one, and they do that.
0: Well, nice. That'll do it for our connection. And we... Have a special new segment that we are trying out for the first time, because guys, this is a place of growth and a safe place for us to try new things, and you to let us know that it was successful or could have been more successful.
1: You got to uh, like serious and somber. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's my NPR voice. I'm, I'm channeling. Oh, okay, okay. I'm All channeling right. uh, Weekend Edition. <laughs> That's right. The Weekend Edition. That's NPR. right. But yeah, we have a new segment that we are calling currently Untitled News Segment. The Untitled News Segment? The Untitled News Segment. I feel, like, man, I had better, I feel like I had a better name earlier, but for now we're going with the Untitled News Segment. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: I hate the air horns,
0: man. <laughs> oh, no.
1: All right. I
0: can't. I'm going to make a theme song for I the can't. untitled news segment, and I guarantee you it's going to have air horns. No,
1: please don't put air horns in it. <laughs>
0: it's too late now.
1: The God horns have damn it. already blown. God damn. Okay, add it in and post. Yes, still yes, in yes, yes. here. All
0: right, that's fair.
1: Do me that favor. Good
0: <laughs> thing. Untitled news segment.
1: So, the, the thing I wanted to talk to you about was, and this just happened today, as of on the day we we're recording. The big man, Jim Ryan, who is the uh, Sony SIE, I think. So, Sony Interactive Entertainment mm-hmm. president. Jim Ryan has decided to retire. Yeah, I think he it's, said it's, it's, it's March of 2024, I want to say. Yes. This is huge news for the video game industry and for PlayStation. So I was curious if you, how closely you follow any of that stuff and if you had thoughts about it, Uh, but you told me. I'm not a big,
0: I'm not a big industry news follower. Like I'll, I'll follow when it's like certain conventions or certain like award shows and stuff like that. I'll follow that news cycle. But when it comes to like presidents and stuff like that, no, Mm -hmm. I did do a little bit of research Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what the implications of this are, but what I did see is that he had been in this position for only four years. He's been with the company for 28.
1: Yeah, almost 30, yeah.
0: Almost 30 years. But in this particular position, he's only been for four years. And, I mean, he was responsible for the rollout of the PS5, mm-hmm. which is on record to be, like, the biggest seller Console. I'm sure there was a better way to phrase that. (laughs) Top selling console, (laughs) the biggest seller, the biggest of all. But yeah, I'm curious what the implication is and why, if things were going so well, why is he going bye bye? So I can I
1: can give you a rundown of what I know, what I've read, and I I haven't done too much in depth research about it, but I do follow the industry pretty closely. Like I I listen to podcasts that talk about it pretty in depth. I keep up with news that's going on around the industry, but of course I'm not an expert, so don't crucify me if I get something wrong. So Jim Ryan, like you said, has been president of SIE for the past three or four years. The thing about Jim Ryan is he's sort of a some people in the PlayStation, actually a lot of people in the PlayStation community don't like him, but mm. it's because Jim Ryan is very much like a businessman, right? So he comes in at the start of his tenure and he's known to just be a business kind of guy. So even though people don't like him in terms of like his personality, his gamer cred and stuff like that, he's got this stupid picture where he's holding a, a DualSense or a maybe a DualShock 4, but yeah. he's holding it in like the totally wrong way. What <laughs> it's asshole. like Yeah, how it's like, what you are you doing? <laughs> you know, how do you put this guy in charge of PlayStation? Or
0: just don't hold it and take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. So thousands of other things, wear so it's, a headset. It's,
1: yeah, it's stuff like that. It's like, like he he doesn't, he's not a gamer, right? And, and I'll tell you why that matters. But he's a businessman. And so PlayStation as a brand and as a, as a company has done fantastically. So over the course of the PS5 launch through COVID, they've been doing great. And even at the tail end of PS4, obviously, they were kicking butt there too. So it, it's a lot of, yeah, I didn't really like him as a, as a person or as a personality. But man, he knows what he was doing sure. in terms of business. So what what I read was uh, <clears throat> he's from Europe, but he worked here because he was you know his headquarters here in the u s and uh, apparently that has just taken a toll on on his life and his family, I suppose, and so he decided to retire uh, but he's put in plenty of time, obviously the reason why this is such big news is because now like you're you're changing the figurehead of of PlayStation basically mm. the guy before him uh, and I could get some of this wrong because the, uh, the organization of Sony has changed a little over time. But the figurehead before him, I believe, was Sean Layden. Might recall him from E3s before.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, like the last E3s that happened. Yeah. Um, before the yeah, indus- industry yeah. said,
0: "Uh, no thanks. Yeah. Don't We're all going to go do our own thing. Go fuck yourself.
1: So Sean Layden was kind of a, from my observation, kind of a mixture of the two. Like he was. He was a cool enough personality to be out there, to be on stage, and to to garner some fan you know fan appeal. But he was also a pretty successful businessman. He was the one who sort of put out the notion that game, like game development is getting too expensive, it's taking too long, and stuff like that, and kind of putting out the warning symbol, s- signal that we're gonna run, we're gonna hit ahead at this at some point where like AAA development is costing way too much. The current cost of games is not enough to cover that and that kind of thing, Mm. but he said that as he was going out, (laughs) going out the door,
0: (laughs) just letting you know.
1: Yeah. By the way, but so, but he, Sean Layden, he was the one who was president when Sony or PlayStation started ushering in its most like a lot of its current really successful franchises, like the new. I, I think this is all right, like the new God of War, Horizon, Last of Us, obviously. Like a lot of those games started during Sean Layden's time, mm. and then carried into Jim Ryan's time. So a lot of people are like, "Well, Jim Ryan is just riding on his coattails," <laughs> you know, because now Sony has this different push towards like live service games and that kind of stuff that they're really building up. And the question yeah. now is who's who's going to be the new person? I mean, they have installed someone, an interim person, um, Hiroshi Totoki, I think, and or no, Hiroki Totoki. Who's also been at Sony for a long time, but he's been more of a Sony person, not a PlayStation. Not person. a PlayStation, yeah. But he's like a total C-suite guy, like a couple different C-suite roles up there. Uh, so he'll he'll fill the interim until they find another another person. So that's the big question: Who is this next person going to be, and where is that person going to drive PlayStation? Because as as PlayStation has to go out and take on Xbox with game pass and all the acquisitions that they're doing mm-hmm. and like essentially changing the face of the industry because so, so like playstation has sort of like held fast to what they've been doing right sure. like in-house development strategic acquisitions like the very targeted ones for the most part but they build within primarily yeah and so
0: they have re- microsoft as we talked about last week just wants to Pac-Man, the industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: yeah, they want to gobble it all up. <laughs> but so PlayStation, for the most part, has has been able to not follow suit, right? But we don't know what's going to happen if you change the figurehead. Like, where where is it going to go? Are they going to change the decisions? Because all this stuff is in flux right now. Sure. And there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. So we know Spider-Man 2, obviously, is on the horizon. We know... Helldivers 2 is out there. We know um, Wolverine is coming at some point. But we really don't know much about all the other studios that that are out there for PlayStation and what they're working on. I mean, we, we do know um, Factions for The Last of Us is coming. yeah. Presumably Last of Us 3. And then at some point. But there's a lot that's, that hasn't even been said. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where people are like, and maybe this is part of the reason why, actually. Now it, not, it might be kind of tied together because people were expecting another showcase to happen because the summer one was kind of lackluster. Yeah. Right. So, because that was like, there was almost no first party stuff in there except nope. for Spider Man, I think. There were rumors that there was going to be another one in September. Obviously, we're nearing the end of September and nothing's happened. Quite. So, that's such a huge question. Like, who's going to take over and take on this? machine and this, of xbox
0: <laughs> does sony have anything stockpiled up in the interim as they find new management and leadership
1: right and and then like what what changes behind the scenes and all that it's going to be really fascinating i think to watch because the so, so the president before sean laden if i'm not mistaken was shuhei Yoshida. do you remember him Nope. the, the so he was the a japanese president and he was the one who was out there like very he is a gamer like he he plays all these games he, he was the, one the and, walk. Oh yeah totally super nice also very personable he was uh do, do you recall the um the ETH where they're like when the xbox totally shit the bed about game sharing and, and playstation goes so so in, in that year xbox came out and they're like this is our Media center, you know, it can you can watch TV on it, you can watch sports on it, and all this stuff. And they're like, What the hell? And they this is when they put in the on, online, like always online connection, and they oh, had yeah, DRM yeah. for the games to play them. And if you had to share it, there's all this stuff going on. Yeah, I remember so in, in the middle of the conference sony made a new ad where they said this is how you share games on PlayStation and <laughs> so two of the PlayStation executives just handed a game to each other basically <laughs> and and that was that was like you know that was like the fatality yes <laughs> it was know? like <laughs> the uh, mic there was a mic drop it. moment and yeah. shuhei was was one of those two guys so shuhei is a mega fan favorite figure in the PlayStation community he's still in PlayStation but they kind of pushed him off to like i, I, I think there was some uh, suspicion that he was getting garnering a little too much fan love,
0: Mm.
1: you know? So there, they had to kind of
0: (laughs) (laughs) got to reel that shit in.
1: Yeah. They had to kind of put him off to the side, but he, he was the one who sort of, who really drove the, like the indie adoption for PlayStation. Mm. And that, that was around like PlayStation three, beginning of PlayStation four, I think where that was a big focus for them was courting the indie developers, making PlayStation a home for them and then when he left, Sean Layden came in and started going through like the big budget AAA stuff. So, wow, we, we've had this range of, of PlayStation presidents, and then even before him was like Kaz Hirai, who was also pretty pretty personable guy. He has a couple of like famous meme clips out there, and then the Godfather of PlayStation, uh, Ken Kutaragi, I think. So, not a long line of figureheads, and here we are, you know, at the precipice of another one. So the that's the the big question now is who's going to step up and what are they going to do because it's it's gonna it's gonna drive everything you know yeah the and the back half of PS five plus whatever comes out after you know but it, it's going to be fascinating to see because the, the industry is changing so much right now
0: I'll so, tell you one thing they're not going to go into handhelds <laughs> maybe they will though no they won't
1: it's maybe too they late will
0: it's too late. By committing to the the portal, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the portal. They they've already they've already made their their stand. Do you see a use case for the portal now? No, don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. I I could see a use case if I had disposable income and not enough televisions, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, True.
1: A lot of TVs around here.
0: A lot of, other than that, like, it just doesn't make any sense to me, you know, because why would I want to play these high quality, like, great design, beautiful looking games on a small screen when I have even, like, a 23 inch monitor available? Yeah. It just it's it's a very, sense. it's
1: a very specific
0: use case. It's a very specific. Yeah, it's just that's not me. But I will say, I actually do have a news segment. Dun oh, dun dun, right. dun! Let's hit it, and it is completely relevant because it happened this morning. Okay. So I woke up this morning, and like I usually do, stayed good. Yeah, in bed good. for half an hour, and. <laughs> <laughs> Just Scrolling the phone? Yeah, doom scrolling <laughs> right as I wake up. You doom scroll first thing in the morning? Hell oh, yeah, man. bro. That's how I start my day. <laughs> so as I'm doom scrolling, I log into Instagram and I see the image that I will send to you and we can share it in our show notes, which okay. is the announcement by King Gizzard oh, and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, speaking of. Okay. Right? Uh, I've mentioned them before. We listened to the song Gila Monster. Wait, wait. I know. I'm getting to wait. it. So <laughs> oh, No way. So King Gizzard have announced their upcoming album, which I believe is October 27th that it's coming out, and it's called The Silver Chord. So the album that they just released in May... Uh, was like a thrash prog metal album. Okay, So it, they said when that released that there was going to be another album released this year, and it was the yin to their yang. And mm-hmm. so that being a super heavy guitar-driven album, everyone started to speculate that they were going to delve into electronics. Mm-hmm. Because one of the members of Gizzard is actually an electronic music artist. Like, right. that's what, what he was doing before all of it. And so... It became known that, like, okay, they're gonna make an electronic album, and so this picture you all, you guys, gotta check it out because is the album cover, um, so cool. for the Silver Cord. It just looks like I don't know if you ever listened to Kraftwerk. No, But Kraftwerk is like you know German electronic music, okay. um, from back in the day, amazing stuff. But it's like a mix of that and Devo. Everyone is on a synthesizer. The drummer is actually behind an electronic drum kit, and the guitarists look like they're playing MIDI electric guitars. (laughs) Yeah. So, needless to say, I'm really excited. They have made one electronic album before, and it was really, like, poppy and psychedelic. They say this one's going to be a little bit more gritty. We'll see how it goes. Interesting. Like a darker electronic, if anything, because they wrote this one all in the room together as opposed to the other one, which they were piecing together during COVID.
2: Mm.
0: And so the other big thing is that they released the track list, <laughs> right? And as my cousin put it to me, I, he's like, dude, are they marketing to you? Like what, <laughs> what happened? The number one track on this new album, The Silver Cord," is called Thea. <laughs> Which he couldn't is,
1: get any better.
0: <laughs> like, I was still wiping the sleep out of my eye as I sent this over to Stephanie, and I was like, Look, <laughs> they read so wild. They found me, they know did. me. they've been listening. Maybe they're listening. I feel seen. They're listening. I hope you're listening. Any of you Aussies, even though you guys are like on tour right now. But it's a perfect time to listen to podcasts. Exactly. That's when you would do it. Right? Somebody get this podcast to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, please. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, they've also announced <laughs> four American Marathon shows, which are um, – so they do this a lot, which I love. I haven't been to one yet, where they do three-hour sets mm. with no breaks. Wow. And they'll do like multiple nights in one venue. Their last tour, they only went to four venues and they did three nights at each venue. And every night was like an hour and a half set. And then they ended with a three hour one. Never played any of the same songs. Per. per yeah, because they have like 26 so much, fucking yeah. albums. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So they've announced that uh, coming up. So Stephanie and I got tickets, so we're going to be going to New York, okay, next August because that's <laughs> damn <laughs> yeah, how far away it is. But we're going to catch one of these three-hour marathon shows. So we're not going to go to Bonnaroo next year. Instead, we'll make a trip to New York to see King Gizzard, and it'll be my third time seeing them. Her second time. Very cool. Shout out to King Gizzard
1: Rep the That is theater. awesome. I can't believe that. That's so crazy. Is that, that a meta game for being a fan of theirs? Like trying to figure out what their next album is going to yes. be?
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, the the subreddit is one of my favorite subreddits to peruse because everyone is always like going off on like, like <laughs> the analysis of this picture yeah. has gone to like meme proportions already. And I mean, the people in that community love to meme. So it, it happens pretty quickly. But I'm super excited for it. Who doesn't like electronic music? And frankly, I just appreciate a modern band that takes chances and isn't afraid to be holy themselves. Like even if I don't like it, mm-hmm. I can't help but respect the shit out of it.
1: Yeah, that's that that's the I appreciate artists who do that. Yeah. It's a tough line. You know what I mean? It is. Like, because you want to do something for the fans, but you don't really want them to drive what you're doing either. Absolutely.
0: And I I, not that, like, I have fans, but, like, playing in cover bands, a lot of the conversations that I have about song choice is like, okay, are we going to pick cover songs that we know are going to kill live, but, like, we may hate? Right. For example, Brown Eyed Girl. Like, I fucking hate playing that song. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to those of you that enjoy Brown-Eyed Girl. I'm sure there's a million of you. I just find it very bland. But people dig it.
1: Anytime I hear that, I just think Tevin Campbell. You think what? Tevin Campbell. What is that? um, I don't know if that's actually the name of his song. You know know who Tevin Campbell is? Nope. No?
0: Nay, sir. I'm sure you've heard the songs. I mean, if one of them is Brown-Eyed Girl... I mean, it's like the first lyric
1: <laughs> to the song oh. i can't remember if that's the actual song name
0: i think it is but he he Tevin
1: campbell's um he's saying can we talk that's his most famous track
0: why do i feel like i know that song but i don't know that song you do can we talk we're going to get dmc No. i'll <laughs> give you like 5 seconds. oh i know
1: this song yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. are you looking at brown eyed girl or can we talk no can we talk can we talk okay yeah he's got a brown eyed girl song too
0: but it's not the brown-eyed girl nah. so. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. it is to me. Fair it enough. It is to me. It's probably a better one. Yeah. But yeah, so do you play the songs that you know are going to kill or do you play the ones that like you want to play? And as a player, I always have to satisfy my end of the bargain. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what I would say, too.
0: <laughs> and, and that's not to be an asshole. It's just like if I'm playing for three hours – like, and I do have this conversation a lot, too. Like, you got to believe in what you're playing in order to get people to vibe with you. Right? Yes. We cover, um, in, in my cover band, we're called the Space Otters, by the way, if you want to check us out. um, <laughs> We cover Sabotage uh-huh. by the Beastie Boys.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Nice. And, you know, that's like a big screaming song and all this stuff. And it can come across as, like, really cheesy.
1: Yeah.
0: But we just fully commit, you, you know, you. And, and like you get to go a little crazy for a second. People get shocked and then they realize my my whole thing with playing music is like, I don't want to play the songs you're expecting me to play. I want to play songs that are going to make you be like, damn, I haven't heard that song in <laughs> so long. Yeah. So, you know, play for yourselves, it, guys.
1: That's what I. Yeah. That's
0: I mean, from, from the
1: standpoint, like if I was to hire a band. I wouldn't say I'm gonna hire you guys and then I'm gonna tell you what to play. Because if if I just want to hear what I want, you can just play that shit on a you know, on a yeah. off a laptop or whatever.
0: No, yeah, it's true. You know what I mean?
1: Probably would sound like, better
0: if it's my band. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because the band doesn't want to do it. You know, it's, it's like I, I hired you guys to be you guys. You yeah, yeah.
0: You figure it out, you know. Don't don't expect me to play Don't Stop Believing, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop asking. Dude, they do. They ask all the time. I can't tell you the amount of times that I get yelled free bird at while we're Uh. playing gigs. There's nothing worse in this world than... (laughs) Let me be careful how we phrase this. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing worse in this you world see? than like a 21 year old frat boy who is drunk off of way too many margaritas or Bud Light because he can't afford anything else, yelling at the top of his lungs, freebird. And then giggling like a schoolgirl because he thinks <laughs> he's the cleverest human being on planet Earth. I hate that I, I so have much. The, I have the best song, guys. Just, just, just wait. Just wait. I'm gonna go talk to him. <laughs> and you know what sucks is that now. And this is uh, my band plays this place in DC called Soft House a lot, okay. and it's it's that crowd, right? Twenty-one to twenty-five year olds, college kids, like you know your your party phase we were all there yeah been a long time but yes um and so now they don't have to even fucking shout because they go on their phone and type it and hold it horizontally are you serious so yes so as i'm like oh my singing gosh. to the crowd right like covering fat lip by some 41 <laughs> i just see like Taylor Swift love story. And I'm like, no. No, <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, it's not happening here. Please stop. You don't have to type it out. Like, it's distracting. That's it. got,
1: Yeah, that's got to be so distracting to just get blasted with screens, all these random words. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't envy you. It's a living. Is there a hard house across
0: the street? <laughs> that's clever. That's clever. I like that. <laughs> That's that's very dad of you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh my goodness. Originally my pivot point was going to be that King Gizzard has named their first track Thea. It's still a good pivot point. <laughs> so I'm coming back to that point, and then we're gonna pivot. That today is my daughter's first birthday. Well, it's over Woo! now. It's over now because you don't got to do that. <laughs> Come on, man. but it's over now. Um, got to bring well, the reality. <laughs> technically, we're still within a 24-hour window because she exactly. was born at 9:57 p.m. Exactly. But Thea has turned one officially, and <laughs> you did it. Yeah, yeah. I I loved the text you sent earlier to Stephanie and I. Yeah. Try to bring it up now to see happy surviving your first year day.
1: That's what it is, man. Did yeah. That first birthday party, I mean, yeah, it's for the kid, but it it's everyone <laughs> coming to celebrate you guys and pulling
0: it off for a year. Yeah. That that first year, man. It's a doozy, man. It's a doozy. <laughs> it's a doozy and it's my first first year. Exactly. So it's like a doozier um, which is obviously a word. So she's turned one. I got her Stephanie and I got her a toy piano. I saw the video. Um, you saw the video. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: liter—I
0: literally figured out how to play "Happy Birthday" on this toy piano like two seconds before we shot that video. You nailed it. Ah, uh, thank Even you. Even some flair in there. Right? I did. I <laughs> some trills and shit. I've wanted to get her a toy piano for a long time because she's always she's had like this little you know Fisher Price play piano. It has some banger songs on it. But as a musician myself, like, it's only five notes. Uh, and like, that frustrates me. Yeah. And it also frustrates me. <laughs> this is so <laughs> stupid. It also really frustrates me as a musician that I can only play the white keys. And I can't play the black keys because they're usually just for decoration. on yeah. <laughs> a lot of these pianos. It's all a lie. <laughs> and I'm like, how can you restrict me to five notes? On the C major scale, I can't have this. So we got a toy piano for this. It's not made for you. damn it. It is. I'm the one who plays with it. So we got her. That might be your problem. it, It was. And you know what? I just solved that problem. Because now she has like, I don't know how many keys are on this thing, but it's like a two or three octave toy piano. With all working keys, including the black keys, because there's no discrimination here. (laughs) And and I've just been like going around the house playing toy piano. Has she played it? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. It's not just me. Okay. It's her too. And I'll have you know that when I do play the toy piano, I'm playing the hits like Farajaca. Okay. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Nice. Where is Thumpkin? which is literally Farah as well. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What I've come to realize as I listen to a lot of children's music now is that there's a lot of repeats. Oh, yeah. yeah. They just change the words. Pretty much. Guys, we don't have to be that lazy. Like, we can write new. Uh, Where's the new stuff? Where's the new stuff? This is what you should do. This is what you should do. Is this my calling to write new children's music? I think so. Oh, my God. I think so. Children don't want to hear the music that I (laughs) I (laughs) would write for them. Dude, that, that could be some lucrative shit, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Then we see on the news, there's a strike from the yep. songwriters of America. Fisher Price <laughs> will not pay dividends.
1: <laughs> Someone's going to, I wrote that song 30 years ago. Now this Eddie guy
0: wants to come and say he wrote it. Yeah, that's my purple monkey in a coconut tree song. What is happening? <laughs> But anyway, is there a backstory to that? Have you not heard that? Oh, bro. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. There was a, 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 a dude that I went to high school with, and he's, yeah, I think he has twins. And I posted something about Thea, and he saw her piano in the background. And he just messaged me. We haven't talked in a long time. And he just messages me the lyrics to this song, which is a, a purple monkey in a coconut tree. Uh-huh. And he is just like the greatest song of all time. And I was like, damn, man, <laughs> you just hit me because it's so good. I'll find it and show it to you later. <laughs> yeah, please do. But yeah, no, it's it was a great day. I had to work a lot of the day, but we did find time to go to Steph's parents' house and my mom's house because uh, I wanted to make sure that Thea saw all of her family on her birthday, nice. even if it was yeah. just for 15 minutes. And it was great. We're planning a birthday party for her on Sunday. Why one-year-olds have a birthday party, I don't fucking know. It's for Uh, you guys. I'm telling you. No, it's true. It is. But it also comes out of our own pocket. So is is it really for (laughs) us? Uh, That is debatable. I'll let you know next week. But (laughs) it's been fun. I am really excited for the birthday party, mostly because I realized that we haven't seen a lot of people in a long Mm -hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And it'll be nice for Thea to do that, you know? Cool. Uh, yeah. It's definitely a low key party this year, not like how we did the baby shower, which is probably a tad excessive. I'm looking back on it now, <laughs> but it's going to be cool. There's going to be a lot of people there. I'm, I'm planning on seeing you there. Yeah. yeah. But I've learned things like a, about a smash cake. Well, I'm sure you know about smash cakes. Yes, indeed. Did you know about when did you find out about Smash Cakes?
1: It was a known unknown quantity.
0: Oh, it was point. a known quantity. All right. Yeah. Is that was that through Francis or you just knew?
1: I, I think we both knew. What we didn't know or anticipate was our was Io our first kid. She was she reacted to the buttercream.
0: Oh snap! <laughs> yeah. Do I, I have, to I have an EpiPen? <laughs>
1: no. Well, I mean, apparently there's like raw egg in the frosting, mm. and she just broke out. No problem. You, just, you know, you can clean it up. She's fine. Nice. But she she has since lost that allergy. But yeah, Smash Cakes, definitely a thing.
0: So yeah, I didn't know that I found that out. So Thea will be having her Smash Cake, which should be pretty dope. We ended up getting Friend of All, Jess Sess mm-hmm. to make us some delicious nom-noms. And I'm looking forward to it. My cover band's going to play for like an hour. It'll be good food. Yeah. It's going to be great celebrating 1 year of survival. That's right. Do you remember your first year? Your first first year? Parts of it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you remember?
1: Uh well so when we had IO, we were actually staying at Francis's parents' house at the time. Mm. It was it was a lot of us trying to navigate having a newborn in a in a house with a bunch of other people, right? And so It's already hard enough when you've got a a child that is having trouble sleeping. Yeah. It is exponentially worse when it happens and it's keeping everybody else up. Sure. So it was, I mean, that that aspect was a a test in (laughs) in managing the the frustration. Uh, But no, it was good. We had a lot of support, obviously, but it wasn't a space of our own. I mean, they did, we had a, a room for us. We had a room for basically a nursery that we barely even used sure and I, I feel like that happens to everybody yep. absolutely <laughs> uh you nest and then you never go there it, it was it was great because everything was exciting you know mm. like every there, there's so many different milestones that your first kid has and it's all like it, it's a, a you're like because you really don't know what the hell is going on you know you don't know where your kid is quote unquote, supposed to be at a certain time. You don't know what they should be doing or when they should be doing, when they should start crawling, when they should start walking. So you're, you're trying to do this balancing act of trying not to set yourself up with those expectations, Yeah, you know, cause cause every kid's different. Every kid is going to do their, do their thing at their own time. And you can try to, you know, help them, encourage them to do stuff, but it's going to happen when it happens. But it was all very exciting. Yeah. And it's it's sad to say, but it's true, that your kids after that, it's obviously a little bit less exciting because you've seen it before.
0: It's like, oh, you can walk? Great. Why don't know, you awesome. walk and go make yourself a bottle? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When are you going to start taking your own shower? You no, know, like, I need you to pay rent. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's still exciting, but it's never as exciting as the first, you know, because it's new for them, it's new for you, and it's new for everyone that's around you, pretty much.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I woke up this morning realizing that it had been one year, and it obviously doesn't feel like one year. I don't know how time works in the, <laughs> in the way that I feel it, because it somehow feels like it's been like three months and a millennia at the same time. But I can tell like within this past week, I feel like her progression is ramping up Mm -hmm. and it's just been, it's just coming full circle. Like Stephanie and I spent a lot of time going through old photos and just seeing this like acorn of a human being develop into a small Buddha, and then stretch out into the the young girl (laughs) that she is now. A more
1: proportional being. Yes, a more (laughs) proportional
0: being. When she was born, she had like these bird-ass legs. (laughs) And now she has like some tree trunks going on. I'm like, all right, I see, I see. But it it definitely is that um, everything is exciting. And it's also very tiring. Like when, when I look back on it, now I'm in a place where... I feel better rested and like even my mom said it the other day. <laughs> she was like, yeah. "Man, you guys just look so much happier." And I was like, "What?" Oh yeah. I was like, "What, what are you talking about?" She's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I mean, just I'm I'm assuming Thea is sleeping more. You guys think <laughs> like you're having fun. Everything's cool." I was like, did it not seem like that at some point? <laughs> what did we look like before? <laughs> or I'll never forget my friend John texted me like maybe a month or two into Thea being born. And it was like, man, all your pictures are beautiful, but you guys look tired as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, because I don't sleep anymore.
1: And it's hard, dude. Like that that first child, you're... I don't know if it feels like this for you guys, but we spent, like Francis and I, you you spent half the time worried that you're going to do something that's going to kill him. Yeah. Right? Because you just don't know. And, and it's terrifying to think that the smallest thing could happen and it just ends in tragedy,
0: you know? Absolutely. And
1: that, obviously, over time and with experience, that starts to go away. I mean, we, you still worry about it, of course. But it's not ever like your first... <laughs>
0: Did you ever have a moment with Io that she like fell off the couch or something? And it was just like sheer panic. Okay. So we had, we haven't
1: had any major like accidents, at least not that I can remember. I, I might have just erased them from memory, but we did have a close call. So in the house, uh, in Francis's parents' house, or their old house, they had a staircase that was. Uh, at the top floor, you just had a stair rail that kind of blocked off like this loft area, right? Yeah, so a bunch of us were down in the living room just in the in the dining room area, which is right next to the staircase. out of nowhere. You, we look over at the staircase and all you see is a pair of dangling legs and oh my I think God. I think she was. I think I o was maybe two at this point. I can't remember she yeah, she had climbed the rail on the outside. And then went all the way around. And then I think, I don't remember if she had actually slipped and she was actually hanging at that point, but it was, had she fallen, she probably would have fallen, I don't know, not terribly far, eight feet maybe, but on, on like the middle landing of the stairs. So maybe she would have fallen somewhere after that. Sure. But that that was Sounds probably terrifying. yeah. It's in the moment, <laughs> so, just seeing well, you them dangle there. I just saw that in my head,
0: and I'm like <laughs> getting goosebumps.
1: Yeah, it was an immediate like, oh shit! You know, everyone's up. Everyone's up going over there trying to get her off. And I think that was that was the most scary thing we had had encountered that I can remember. Yeah, it's coming to mind right now. I'm sure you know how it is. After we do the show, you remember everything. Sure. <laughs> all, all, all of a sudden, <laughs> but no, no major. Falls or accidents. I mean, there's definitely. Oh, Benji had. Uh, we were in an apartment, and Benji. I think he was probably less. than, He might have been less than one at this point, or maybe just over one, old enough to be like running around with his sister. Yeah, we we had one of the. Do you know the that circle IKEA light that sits on the floor? No. You know what I'm talking about. It kind of looks like a small spotlight. Interesting. Well, not small, it's actually pretty big. But it's circle shaped, sits right on the floor, the lip of that is metal. Mm. And then um you have this like light filter that softens the light. They were running in the in the room and he fell and cra- like he hit his head right on the rim. Ooh. Yeah. And I mean he's actually we were it's funny, we were not funny, but we, we were just it's funny talking now. about yeah, <laughs> we were just talking about how he still has a little scar from it. <laughs> You know? Yeah, sure. And I mean, that was scary. Like, we went straight to the straight to the ER, I think, that day. We were, like, just making sure it wasn't a concussion or anything like that. Absolutely. Um, but we have been, so far, pretty lucky. I mean, they're in, basically
0: made of rubber at that point, right? <laughs> yeah. No bones have really
1: fused. Nothing
0: to break. Well, yeah. That's good. I will say, and, you know, I'll, I'll confirm with the wife that I could even say this story. So, there was one day... Where Thea fell. And it was probably the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. I remember it so vividly. Because Thea, as my other friend Andrew likes to describe it, was in her Velcro stage. Uh Where, like, you just put her somewhere and she will not move. Mm -hmm. Because she cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Not capable. And so, like, we made, like, a little... Basically a bassinet on our couch uh-huh. made of like weighted blankets and all this shit. And so Thea was chilling in there. And she was finally starting to learn how to roll and like really getting into it. Chick loves to roll. And <laughs> I'm watching, Stephanie and I are watching a movie. We were watching The Replacements. I don't know if the you remember. The football movie? Yes, with Keanu nice. Reeves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I know that, but yeah, we were watching that movie for some reason. I think TikTok made me do it. It's a good one. It's a great movie. I love that movie. We were watching The Replacements and Stephanie and I are watching and out of the corner of my eye, I see Thea start to roll and like it happens in slow motion. I cannot say the words or do the action to like stop it from happening and Stephanie sees it too late and Thea fell the, like, one foot uh-huh. from the couch to the floor. Yeah. look, like, carpeted floor, luckily. But I immediately went in because I knew Stephanie was just going to flip her shit. <laughs> yeah. I went into, like, survival mode. And, like, Stephanie and I had had talks about how to deal with that kind of stuff, which is if something were to happen and she experiences pain, she doesn't know what pain is. Or how to react mm-hmm. to pain. Right. So if we make this grand gesture or like get loud or get like super emotional or cry or something, she's going to pick up on that energy cue. Yep, And that's going to be the way that she's going to handle those experiences moving forward. Yep. Which is all theoretical. Because once it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's all out the window. Yeah, once it's happening, fuck that. Is this baby okay, <laughs> right? So Thea hits the ground and there's just like thud and silence as like Keanu Reeves is talking in the background. Nice. (laughs) I immediately go and like hold Thea close to me. And I like, I turn to Stephanie and I'm like, Stephanie don't (laughs) (laughs) in a very nice way. But Stephanie already knew what was up, right? She could feel her emotions coming. So she yeah. immediately like bolts out of the room uh-huh. to like not, you know, do that energy. And Thea cried maybe 15 seconds. Yeah. And then she was okay. For me, and I think for Stephanie too, it was just kind of a sigh of relief. Cause at that point, I don't, I honestly don't remember how old Thea was, but at that time, there was so much tension of, like, anything could happen.
1: Yeah.
0: And, like, what would happen if something happened? That when it finally did, and the result was, like, really low-key, frankly, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, there's nothing to be afraid of, right? Like, it happens to everyone. It was no one's fault. It just happened. She's okay. We're okay. It's all good. And then, of course, we had the fun of telling our parents, which (laughs) we didn't need to, but, like... (laughs) I'm the kind of person that wants to. (laughs) So needless to say, it's been an adventurous first year. I'm extremely proud of the progression that Thea has made. And to see her become like her own human being is very scary, exciting, uh, beautiful. It's just she is her own person now. And I can't wait to see how that develops and try to steer clear of her progression while providing the support that she needs when she needs it. But, you know, not having those expectations, which is what a lot of first time parents say. It's obviously a lot harder in practice than it is in discussion. But, you know, I think to the relationship between stephanie and i has strengthened and i think i don't know if it was like this with you and francis but man those first couple months are fucking tense they're hard they're tense and like not because we don't like each other but just because we're like trying to fucking live (laughs) yeah yep you know and like at one point it is like either i'm sleeping or you're sleeping but if we're both awake, what are we doing with our
1: lives? This is not efficient.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because we tried to do everything together when we first started. Right. We learned very quickly that that was some dumb thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are you sitting here? You
1: should go rest. You yeah. Know?
0: And like, I'm a, I'm a naturally irritable person anyway. I know it doesn't yeah. seem like that. No, it doesn't. I mean, I think everyone has their things that make them irritable. But in the beginning, there was so much that needed to be given to Thea and I wanted to give to Thea that there wasn't much left for me, let alone anything left for me to give Steph. Yeah. And it it just got to this point where it was like, I wasn't mad at anything in particular. It's just fucking draining,
1: you Mm -hmm. know,
0: it's draining and I and I do it to myself. I always tell Stephanie, like, I complain, but I, I, I'm the one making these choices of like, okay, I'm going to go play a three-hour show in D.C. I stop playing at 1 a.m. By the time I load my car, it's 2. By the time I get home, it's 2.30. Yeah. And then Thea at that time wasn't sleeping through the night. So I would get home and take care of Thea until she would fall asleep, go to bed by like 5 o'clock. And then wake up the next day and like, here we go again, guys. Yep, <laughs> I'm back in it. Meanwhile, Stephanie is dealing with her the whole time that I'm at the show, and it's a lot of work and dealing with her at the beginning of the night. So there's no, um, there's no balance anywhere. You know, it's almost yeah. like you play the game of who's more tired.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was one of the things when I was doing uh, coaching. I used to, because that's kind of your, your you kind of, lo- people will look for balance, right? That's kind of like your default thing. It's like, how do I balance my life? I want to do all these things. I have all these responsibilities. How do I keep everything balanced? And I used to always tell people, it's like, you're, not, you're never going to find that because everything is going to be changing all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of how you can how are you ad- adjusting and adapting to all the different things that are happening in that moment in that time right? it's especially when you bring in your first kid there's just so much happening going on that you never expected didn't know about and, and all this stuff that's like, you you don't even have time to really process a lot of it because all that time and energy is devoted to your to your kid yeah and you don't really know otherwise right for, especially for the first one right it's like, well this this is what i have to do
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: so the responsibility
0: you know, that has been laid before me
1: yeah like at, at all expense you're going to take care of that child you you really have to figure out how to navigate that with especially with your partner because like you're saying if, if you're both doing that you're both going to be drained to shit, and then you can't you know you have absolutely nothing left for each other which which sucks like for, francis and i have We've got, she has grown a lot, honestly, like throughout all the different, you know, all the kids that we have. And we, and it's still, still happening because everything is different.
0: You know, sure. with every, every kid is different.
1: With every new season, with every new kid, now that we have three, it's, it's like there's always new things to learn. Like w- watching her go through that process, like we have, like we're nine years apart, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I've been around the block longer and, you know, like I've done. <laughs> you know like i was heavily into my own personal development and being aware of sure. myself and all that kind of stuff so which i'm sure we'll get to but like i get to kind of watch her go through that which is hard on the one hand because i don't i don't want to stand here and just be like this is what you should do you know it's absolutely like, this is how you you can deal with this because like i'm a very logic i think you and i are the same like yes. we're very logical people it's like well you know, clearly, if you <laughs> change your mindset or whatever, change your perspective, then you'll be fine. It's like, well, it doesn't work like that for for everybody, especially for women, because we just think completely, you know, in different ways. Yeah, like I, I, I get to observe her, get realize, get the awareness of something, and then like watch her go through the effort and go through all the like the time and energy to to make a change. And it's just, it's really beautiful, right? And and now it, it's it's funny now because. For the for a long time, Uh, like I I mentioned, I started listening to the the Messy Family Mm -hmm. project, uh, you know the the Catholic parenting thing, and I would always tell her I was like they're really good, like you know they, lots of good messages in there. They're fun to listen to, Uh, but she hadn't really taken the time to listen. And then as she started listening to our stuff, (laughs) right, she's getting in the habit of listening to shows. She comes home and she's like, hey, I started listening to the Messy Family. She's like, they're really good. I'm like. And then we were like we're really, I was super happy to hear that. Yeah, because hearing them and their perspective changed a lot for me personally. But it's not like I could come home and just be like, "Hey, you know, this is all the stuff that I heard." And it's, like I, I could do that, but I don't, I don't want to like force anything on her either. You know, you like people sure. have to kind of get their own way
0: well the experience is also different if you arrive there organically
1: exactly and
0: and your inter- your your internalization of that stuff is different depending on where you are and where your headspace is at yeah it's
1: a, she's going through that now and it's hard because like she she deals with the kids a lot more than i do because I, I work like even though i'm home you know, I'm engaged with work like more now than I was before in my other job. Yeah, and so she she's running the house. She's she's doing all all the cooking. She's doing all the homeschooling. She's taking care of the newborn. You know, and it, like it's a lot. Absolutely, it is, it is a lot, and it's understandably she will, uh, you know, she'll run into like the end of her rope sometimes or what have you. And I do it too. Like I, I'll I'll get short and testy with the kids her response to it is is starting to is different now like it's changing you mm. know and like she'll actually she's taking she she'll notice it she'll and it's like you know like what can we do to be different about that you know and, and she's it's it's a stark difference from where we were uh, at the beginning because we were both just trying to survive with their first kid
0: yeah no that's a good perspective I think something that I talk a lot about with Stephanie and like even before we had kids or a kid um, <laughs> is that we, Stephanie and I have like in our past really come from a survival attitude mm-hmm. where it's, you know, through whatever circumstances that were given to us, we've always been fighting for A sense of self, a space to be ourselves without having to be apologetic for that. And I think when people grow up that way, there is this mentality that you have to fight and survive with everything that comes at you in life. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And when you're good at that, what ends up happening is that you take that mentality into situations where you don't. Necessarily need to survive. Mm -hmm. And it becomes, you know, I, I talk with her about being really distinct from surviving and living. Yeah. Because in living, you actually have the opportunity and bandwidth to be able to live in the moment and really look around you and take everything into account when making decisions or, you know, just going to day to day. But when you're surviving, there's just one mission, yeah, and everything serves that mission. And when it came for the early months of Thea, the mission was keep this child alive. Yep, and just don't instill any childhood trauma. <laughs> you know, it's a, that somebody's gonna have to like peel from her subconscious later yeah. in life.
1: Don't give her your baggage.
0: Exactly, and and, the, and exactly. Because it really is that. I mean, not to get too into it, but I truly believe that everyone has baggage of some sort. And (laughs) this is really getting into it now, which is great. But (laughs) I really do believe that everyone has baggage of some sort. And not all, maybe not even a majority, but for a lot of people, it is the majority. A lot of the baggage and trauma that we have as humans comes from our time as children. And I I do believe that it doesn't necessarily come from our parents, right? Because we have a lot of different environments as children. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's direct, sometimes it's indirect. But when I think about us as children, right, or just children in general, like the parent is the only thing they know. Yeah. Yeah especially between like zero to two, right? It's like the parents are this mythical godlike figure. And as you grow up, you're like, well, my parents know everything. Or like my parents, the way they do things is the way things are done. And it isn't until we're older and we're like, you know, in our teens trying to rebel Trying to figure out our own identities and our own way of processing and doing things that we can actually point back to our past and be like, well, you know, maybe that wasn't the right thing that my <laughs> right. parent was doing. Not to any slight of the parent, because they're also surviving <laughs> and they're also individuals with faults and survival instincts and their own personal knowledge bases. But we have the benefit of learning from them. So to not impart, I mean, you're going to impart something to your child. <laughs> That's just the way it yep. is. But I think it's really, for me at least, and and I think to some extent for Stephanie as well, we're just really conscious about that, about not trying to have this survivalist attitude where like everything is the end-all be-all because if we don't do things right, the future is fucked. You know? Right. And instead having this mindset of like, life takes turns and living is being adaptable and whatever happens and whatever comes, it's coming and it's happening. So yep. just be ready and be open. Well, one of the things that
1: I try to keep in mind and, you know, and Francis and I, I don't know that it we say it Explicitly when we're talking about things, but when we start to get in the mode of like you know are we especially with like like education right now right mm-hmm. like we're do, we're doing homeschooling, they're still young, so it's not like a, a big thing, but we do we are like you know are are we doing enough for them yeah to to you know to keep them on pace or whatever you want to call it? I try to keep in mind that we as parents are are also in the midst of learning too and it's constantly like that because you would think that at, like we had two kids 7 and 5 now and then we have a third and so initially you you'd be like oh they, we know what we're doing you know we should be fine but then it's like well maybe but we've never had three before <laughs> you know it's like we've never had to deal exactly. with an environment where we're outnumbered you know or it's true we've got we've had two other kids but now we have you have to manage a new variable yeah, and that kid is entirely different. So it's sort of like you, you kind of take that expectation off your shoulders to say, well, that the pressure, right? Like, even though we've been here before, we've never been here. Exactly. Like this type of scenario before. And even when it comes down to things like, you know, now that there's five of us, it's like, well, just going somewhere, traveling somewhere whatever, like, It changes the dynamics, the logistics of everything. Yeah. Add 10 minutes to anything that you (laughs) need to do. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, flying with kids
0: is... (laughs) I can't. Like, it gives me anxiety just thinking about that. (laughs) And I got one. uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what do we do with the car seats? Do we we bring them? Do we get them over? You know, all this stuff that you got to think about. Like, you have to give yourself a little bit of latitude just because it's like, yeah, you've been... Like, you know, all these different things and you've learned and done all these different things, but this is new. Yeah. or some facet of this is new and you have, you know, it's like, it's okay to, to be learning. Right. And, and not to hold yourself too, like too, too tightly on a comparison, you know, cause it's easy to do that.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: You know, it's like, well, their kids are doing this and you know, their, their kids are, are doing that. And it's like, Well we're going to do the best that we can do. And, and that's, that's all we can do. Yeah. You know, yeah. and everything's different. And, and I, it's funny. Cause like when I was young, young, I don't remember doing a lot of stuff like that. Like, I don't remember going to a lot of the, the different sports or the different classes to learn and do things. Mm-hmm. So that has, that always colors my thinking on things because like, some people will say, "Oh, you should get him and get her, get Io into classes, or get you know get Benji into something." I'm like, "Well, yeah, we could, it's like, but I'm also not killing myself if we don't." Yeah, you know, kinda, like kind kind of like you were saying, it's like, well, it it is what it's going to be. <laughs> so yeah. just just because we don't do that, it's not going to be the end of the world for them.
0: Absolutely not, and I and I think it's really important to highlight what you said. No one ever stops learning. The point of growth and, like, self-actualization, self-growth, growth growth for children, growth for relationship, is that it never stops growing. And you can only grow by learning. So, if you know everything and you're not learning, then you're not growing. And for some people, that may be fine. I know for me, like, I just can't live that way. Mm -hmm. I, I think it as thea grows and if we have more children for them too like I remember again not in a bad way, but I remember my mom what she said goes right and and yeah. that's that's a level of respect, but also as a child, I internalize things like that as well she knows everything yeah, right But I think it's also important to highlight that parents are just humans and, and sometimes highlighting that two children can have a real benefit. And that's not something that happened with me. I mean, my relationship with my mom was really great. I got to see a lot because she was working and I would go to work with her because, you know, she was a single parent. So I saw a lot of the real world very early on and that strengthened our relationship. But Mm. For some other kids who might not have that sort of relationship as they were growing up, they might have only seen, you know, like, the parts that the parents allowed them to see. Right. Which is fine. I mean, it's great. Obviously, we all turned out perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, perfect. But I wonder, and I feel like my job as the next generation is to wonder and push what would happen if, right? Like, okay, I had these sets of opportunities that was given to me by an immigrant mother who came to this country. Fantastic. Did she do the best she could? Hell yeah. Did I turn out well? I think so. (laughs) You know, is is she happy? (laughs) Is she happy with the results of her, you know, 35 years of work? I I think so. (laughs) But- when it comes time for me, what can I offer Thea that my mom couldn't offer me, not for lack of want, but lack of means? Right. Um, and how does that also balance, right? Like, if we have more means now than I had when I was a child, like, one could argue my lack of means created my, me. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And And who I am. It's almost like a science experiment. Not that you're experimenting with your kids, but I mean, you you really kind of are, depending on how you look at it. And I am so, like I've talked about it with Stephanie, like our perspective is just to put as many opportunities as we can in front of Thea. And if she latches onto them, great. If she doesn't, that's perfectly fine. You know, through my job, I I, I talk to a lot of kids in different, you know, educational circumstances and sometimes like I'll hear a 13-year-old that just like knows what they want to do. Yeah. Right. That just like, or even like benji, right? With insects. Yeah. (laughs) Having that sort of agency for yourself, regardless if that's what you're gonna follow through on, because who (laughs) no one's making a life decision at, at, at a super young age, but having the skill to know what you want as an individual, as opposed to what your parents want for you. I think that that is an experiment worth doing and worth seeing because the pot, to me, the possibilities are endless, right? Like love's always going to be there. Family's always going to be there. Who, who is Thea going to be? A lot of that depends on what I put in front of her. Yeah. So
1: I'm just going to ask Callum that Like I'm like, what kind of guy are you gonna be? You know, yeah.
0: What are you gonna be into? He's like, and, and oh, that, I'm gonna be sleepy. Yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> but that that that's touching on a good one that we should we should talk about uh, more in depth. Yeah, the you know ex- expectations thing. What I focus on a lot with uh, like with our kids is I I try to be really mindful of how we are shaping the way that they think mm. things. You know. And so when we get to doing like teaching and stuff like that, I will, you know, a lot of times if we hit a quiet moment, a lot of people want to just kind of jump in there and, and spur on a response or an or something from them. But what I like to do is just let her, let them sit. Right. So I'll, I'll ask a question and I'll wait as long as it takes for sure. her to like, for IO to arrive at an answer. Cause this is one of the things we learned in the, uh, the John Maxwell system of coaching was, Those are the moments where you got to let people live in that quiet moment because that's when they're thinking and processing stuff. And then eventually they will arrive at an inspiration or at a solution and it's going to be completely theirs.
0: Absolutely. But
1: if you, if you jump in there and you kind of interrupt that, then you're getting in the way of that. That process, that growth, and that, like you said, that self actualization, and that I try to keep very aware of that because I want them to have a good understanding of, like you're saying, of who they are, of what they what they want, how they do things, and like like what works for them, you know. Because mm-hmm. I could I could tell them on and on about how I would how I might solve a problem or how I might address a question. But what I want is for them to know what's going to work for them, you know. So I I, I try to give options. I'm like, you know, there's lots of different ways you can you can go at this, you know, and, and like show show them the different things. It's like, well, you know, whichever way makes sense to you, because not everyone learns or processes things the same way, you know.
0: Absolutely.
1: But but I also like if we're if we're in one of these like high emotional moments (laughs) where people are fighting or yelling or what have you, it's like okay, let's like what are we thinking in this moment? Or actually, she so recently she was I O has been kind of having an issue with uh, being getting scared at night Mm -hmm. of of different things, you know. So I was trying to tell her like it's okay to feel what you're feeling, like you know having that fear is fine, it's natural, there's nothing wrong with it, but I don't want you to let that. Control you, you sure. So we need, like, so I was encouraging her. It's like, okay, we let's bring in. You need to have get your mind in there too to start to kind of rationalize what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, is what I'm feeling actually worth feeling? (laughs) Essentially, right? Or can you can you think your way through this, or you know, change the perception, or what have you, to say, I really don't need to be afraid of it, or even if I am. There are different ways of looking at it that can help get me past that. Absolutely. Because I figure if we can do that for them, then whatever it is that they encounter or want to do later, they'll be ready for it,
0: you know? To allow someone to figure out the problem. I mean, figuring out problems, whether they be in the physical world or mental blocks within ourselves, it's building a muscle. It's You need to do repeated reps. You have to have room to fail, right? Yeah, absolutely. And frankly, sometimes it's a permission to fail because failure is scary, but learning happens inside of failure. If you're always successful, good on you, but there is going to be a big gap in your tool set when you can't deal with failure yeah having you know your children or anybody I mean even ourselves right go go through that figuring out the mental processes I think that's really cool to give them the space to do that and be like it's okay to take time and think about things it's okay to not have an answer right away. It's okay to not always go with the first thing that pops into your head. Yeah, all all are supremely valid.
1: Here's to another year of you learning how to figure that out.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll it check in next any year as, as I like get more. I will say my beard, my mustache, and my hair on my head. All like maybe ten to thirteen percent more gray. Yeah. In, sounds about in right. one year. Sounds about right. So by next year I'll just be rocking gray because I'm like, I'm not painting my hair. <laughs> <laughs> painting your hair. <laughs> oh dyeing it, whatever, you know. <laughs> just grab one of Stephanie's paintbrushes yep. and just like <laughs> That's why I've adopted the like shaved head look. So much easier upkeep. It's totally yeah. I
1: know. <laughs> I, I would like to just go be like be legit bald already. Yeah, because I don't want to bother with it.
0: You can get LASIK. Yeah, scalp LASIK never has to. Insurance doesn't like that though.
1: Huh? It's cosmetic. Insurance doesn't like oh, that. It's yeah, cosmetic. That's
0: fair. That's fair. Yeah. Got to find a medical reason.
1: You guys know all natural ways to kill your <laughs> scalp hair. <laughs> just, please let me know. <laughs>
0: yes. Send us in the comments. Well. Everyone, that is going to do us for another episode of The Midnight Connection. Thank you guys very much for hanging out with us and listening to our rants and raves. Conversations like the one we had tonight are great. We love getting real, and I'm sure we'll delve into a lot more topics like that. And we're just really appreciative of you guys listening. Please continue to listen. If you have any ideas for possible show topics or questions that you want to ask us, you can always leave a comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages or email us directly at the Midnight Connection Pod at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week with another episode. We hope that you make mistakes and get messy, in the words of Miss Frizzle, for all you Magic School Bus fans out there. Nice. Absolutely. And we will catch you next time at midnight.
1: Thanks for tuning in to The Midnight Connection. The Midnight Connection is a product and trademark of Samurai Beat LLC, which is a fan-funded organization made for you and made possible by you at Patreon.com samuraibeat Samurai Beat. Support us there and join the conversation by submitting your questions, comments, and topics for future shows. We seek to entertain and build a community of adulting gamers like you, and we appreciate your support, your confidence, and your inspiration. Thank you.